You guys may or may not have witnessed our very own Ryan Koningsberg experience, a pretty rough hangover experience after the Broncos draft party and preseason game at Blake Street Tavern. If you haven't, this video is worth checking out over on Facebook at DNBR Broncos. Vita Mobile IV came to Ryan's rescue, and I mean they really came through. Vita Mobile IV comes to your home, office, dorm room, or wherever you need some serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made up of professionals passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app. Request a skilled IV drip therapist. Sit back and relax because they come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 and save 20% off your first IV drip. Visit VitamobileIV.com today to learn more or just download their app and book your appointment. That's HYD20 to save 20%. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Call JT Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes and you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. It is the last Friday before the regular season begins, so we figured we would one more time get in some questions from the populace at large before we jump into the regular season. AJ, you ready to answer some questions today? I am always intrigued by what is on the listeners' minds. Well, I did specifically request for questions that don't pertain to Miko Rantanen, so we're going to focus on those things. There's not a lot else to say about that right now. Right. The the articles are out there. You can read them if you want. Draw your own conclusions. Yep. The information is out there floating around. It's, you know. Yeah, right. But there is other pertinent avalanche news, or at least Colorado Eagles news for today. The Avs traded Nick Malosh for Antoine Bebo. That is the Avs' fourth NHL-contracted goalie, the one AJ has been waiting for for a long time. Granted, they did have to give something up to get it. Sly asks, will Bebo be the number one goalie with the Eagles this year? And we can expand this to what this kind of means for Adam Werner as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to expect him to be the number one guy right away, right? Um Just because Werner is, you know, he's an AHL rookie. and He's coming in and... and I don't think Bebo will have a uh, like a like a fifty five game season or anything like that, you know. And Werner only plays a small handful. Uh, I don't think we're looking at that kind of that kind of split here. I think we're more looking at a platoon. But I think Bebo probably just the fact that he's a little more proven uh, over in North America in the AHL specifically. That's a guy that you can expect reasonably will probably be there and then their opening night starter and um, the guy that they turn to until Werner eventually hopefully takes the job from him permanently. So do you still see Werner as an AHL guy? I certainly hope he is. The um, did keep Miska quite a bit longer though. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, the Miska uh, had the kind of preseason that was too much of a continuation of what happened last year in Tucson for him. Uh, so I, I think that this is now proper goalie depth where Miska is your number one guy in Utah with McDonald backing him up and uh, Werner and Bebo will split uh, starts for the Eagles. That would be about as ideal as you could get. I would say with, with the goalies they now have. Yeah. I, I do think that they, 
they like Werner uh, quite a bit and that they want to see what he has. And the best way to do that is to just play him. Right. He's got to get North American games, right? That's the only way you can get used to that ice. Yeah, absolutely. And putting him in Utah does not accomplish that because they play on international ice. So that's that would be a double whammy. <laughs> yeah, so it defeats that purpose. Um, I, I just think that this was... This was something that we had talked about all summer. Um, was they they could make this move, this kind of a move where they do an AHL swap and and get that goaltending situation kind of sorted out. Of course, we didn't necessarily want it to be Malosh that went the other way because we all like him, but it's also a good opportunity for him. And it's a good recognition by San Jose's pro scouting staff. Right. That, that was a, a guy with upside that was stuck in a system where he no longer had a realistic path to the league. Yeah. I, I did kind of want to get into that side of things because I do have some issues with the value on this trade. I have some issues with the underlying problems that led to this trade, but realistically looking at what the abs had, there was no way Malosh was ever making it to the abs roster at this point. You know, when Timmons had the preseason that he had, I think that was the final nail in that coffin. Yeah. I was kind of holding out hope that Malosh would show a little bit better in preseason uh, and in training camp and then go from there. Um, but he, he was just okay. Um, you know, he didn't separate from the AHLD at all. You know, there wasn't really much of a difference between him and, uh, Dan Renouf and and Jacob McDonald, you know those those guys all kind of were in the same group for me, and uh, I I just didn't see that that separation and 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 then when Timmons showed up and he played the way that he did and you know we've talked about hey look they they made this a really deep group for a reason and while some of these guys you know one year deals. Um, they there they will always be after these types of guys the the barbarios and the Connaughtons of the world they will always continue to chase those kinds of guys and add those guys every year uh because teams are obsessed with the concept of that that depth it became obvious to me when when Timmons had the breakout and that he was fully healthy that it was it was it was done from from Malosh really right yeah I I'm not going to argue with you there. You can put the blame wherever you want to on that, whether it's Malosh himself or the development side. You know, I don't really think either side is to blame on this one. Uh, I think that what Colorado did is they continued to fill a critical position on their team and look like Malosh developed slower. And that's, I don't, I don't feel like that's a knock on either side. I still think Malosh is going to be an NHL player. Uh, I think San Jose is going to end up coming out better in this deal just because I do think that Bebo, I, I'm not a big Antoine Bebo fan to be, to be honest. Um, but let's get to the root of it there too. You essentially just gave up a second round pick for an AHL goalie. You, yeah, you did. And you know, when you boil it down to that, it's not great. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's also, you know, it's been, it's been years. This is, his, this is, his third pro year. Sure. Uh, Malosh's. And again, like this, I don't feel like either side is really to blame here. Um, I think Malosh just developed slower than the guys that were around him. Um, Kale McCarr obviously is a stud. They, when they drafted Nick Malosh, none of Kale McCarr, Sam Gerard, Bowen Byram, Connor Timmons had happened yet. And they, continue to add those guys. You know, they had Drew Hellison uh, in the second round this, this past season as well. You know, they just continued to add defense. The difference, the, the big difference is that they hit. If, if Connor Timmons was a bust or a slower developing player, like Malosh was, for example, where two full years in junior and then a year, uh, a year into, you know, and then, and then the getting into pro hockey, then, you know, we'd be looking at this differently, and Malosh would be ahead of him. Malosh would probably be ahead of a handful of guys. You know, I I don't 
I just don't think that anybody did anything wrong here. I have not been a huge fan of the way they've handled Malosh's development. Uh, the ECHL demotion in year one when they were not, you know, the Rampage weren't very good. Yep. Was unnecessary, I thought. Um, I think the Avs pretend like the ECHL is a legitimate development path. And very, very, very few guys come out of that league and make it in the, in the NHL. And I would like for the ECHL to be a legitimate kind of development plan. If, if you end up stuck in a position, but it just, it hasn't been for anybody really in the entire league. The ECHL is where you kind of bury AHL deals. It really can't be a developmental league because of the contract limit that NHL teams are under. You have right. 50 contracts to work with and it's 23 in the NHL or roughly the same number in the AHL. And then right. you have a couple of leftovers, which tend to be goaltenders that maybe actually get something out of the ECHL. And that's that's where that league has had an opportunity. And that's just a numbers game. Right. You only get two goalies per team, essentially. Exactly. And so, you know, the the, the ECHL demotion, uh, it, it hasn't been good. And, you know, they they did not put Malosh into enough positions to succeed in his time with the AHL clubs that he played with. Uh, but I still think he's on a, an NHL track. So I don't think Colorado messed him up or anything. Right. Uh, I just think he's a slower developing player in a situation that evolved quicker than anybody would have expected. Because, I mean, walking into the 2017 draft, the Avs had none of that. Sure. And, and, and he was definitely jumped by guys, right? I have no problem with that. You know, the part I struggle with, sorry, uh, is he kind of continued to get blocked by guys who hadn't necessarily jumped him as well. Ryan Graves. Yeah, that's the one that's the one where you're like, had they not made that Graves deal or had they traded him for a forward? Right. Malosh gets the minutes that Graves got at the end of last season and maybe none of this happens. Right. He at very least gets that NHL look and maybe the same thing that happened with Graves does for him. Exactly. And then maybe Malosh, maybe you're talking about Malosh, Timmons and Rosen on your opening night NHL defense next week. Yeah, Instead exactly. of Malosh being in San Jose to be a Barracuda. Yeah, <laughs> which how many guys can go from the Avs minor league system to San Jose's, by the way? It's so uh, many. It's a lot now. A lot of guys that, they, that they've been connected with yep. end up in San Jose, it's, which is weird because one of the, one of the bottom tier development teams in, yeah. in Colorado, and then one of the top tier development ones in San Jose, but they're just like, give us leftovers. <laughs> leftovers. Perfect. Perfect word for it. Well, as we pour one out for Malosh here, let's make it a Breckenridge beer, as Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. I've told you about a number of their beers at this point. I tried their Mango Mosaic a couple nights ago. The Colorado Core is the one DNVR has in its offices that everyone was drinking the other day when we did all of our live shows. Everyone loved it. So highly recommend that one as well. Or if you're looking for something a little bit lighter, you can also go with the Strawberry Sky. You can find Hopefully all of these are at very least some kind of Breckenridge beer at your local liquor store. And also make sure to keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar on thednbr.com. We have all of our upcoming watch parties planned on there. I believe there's a Broncos one this Sunday, or is it just a tailgate maybe? But either way. Yeah, first tailgate ever. Um, there you go. Our first ever tailgate uh, that we are doing in uh, – in conjunction with a great uh, tailgating group whose name I can't remember now. Uh, Westward voted him like the best tailgate in Denver. And I I just can't. I'm drawing a blank on it right now because my brain is totally shot at the end of this really, really frustrating week. <laughs> but uh, it is super cool. They, they It is up on the website. Uh, the details and the Eventbrite and all that stuff are out there if people are interested. 
Sons of Mile High is the name. So um, I'm probably won't make that just because Sunday is our like one off day of the entire week. Yeah, but, we're super busy. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I would love to go though. Like I, I really would. It would be a lot of fun. I have to miss the Rockies thing tonight too. So, well, either way, they'll be drinking Breck beers there. I highly recommend you come out and yeah, they'll be it. giving them away at the tailgate, right? Straight up for free. So just tossing them out to people. Get your free beer while you can. In the meantime, we've now spent an entire segment answering one question, so we're going to get out of here, head into segment <laughs> two, and hopefully answer a couple more. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ. Totally didn't edit out me messing it up again. I didn't, you know, you did, and it didn't even register. <laughs> I know, right? It's just automatic at this yeah, point. <laughs> it's Well, you know, I think I recorded probably three or 400 episodes of the BSN avalanche podcast. So just a couple. uh, Yeah. So it's, you know, week one is not the time to, 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 to be like, Oh, you got to get this right. (laughs) You know, by next week, got to have it right. But on Friday of week one, no. Right. Here's one thing you do have to get right though. Okay. Puck talking asks, what are your favorite hot dog toppings? Uh, you know, I am so basic with everything. Uh, like my favorite pizza topping, like would probably be pepperoni, but I prefer just cheese pizza on its own. Um, I like sandwiches as basic as possible. Uh, if I were to eat at Jimmy John's, um, I would get like only their like slims just cause I like as basic stuff as possible. So when it comes to hot dogs, uh, not honestly, not very busy. Um, for some reason, I turned 30 and stopped liking ketchup. <laughs> so um, it just for it, it was just sweet. Yeah, no, I agree with that. One of the most grown up times I feel is when I was like, you know what? Ketchup isn't really very good on hot dogs. You know, straight up like it was a realization I had too a couple years ago. And uh, I still will very rarely, but occasionally will have to like go and remind myself by doing it. But, um, you know, I, I really like if I'm put, if I'm going to have a hot dog, I really like uh, cheese on it. Yeah. And, um, honestly not a whole lot else. Like a, like a chili cheese dog would be amazing. I'm a big fan of that. Um, but I'm, you know, not necessarily together, but I do really like, a a, a mustard. Uh, like a hot mustard. Mm. Okay. See, cause I'm, I'm basic with the mustard. I really like just plain yellow mustard, which I can do too. Like I'm, I'm down with that too. It kind of just depends on like what I'm feeling that day. Yeah. Every once in a while though, like the hot, like you get, get just a little bit of kick to it. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. I'm, like it just adds a little, just a little something. And I don't, I don't want it to be much of a kick. Like I, you know, I don't need it to be like a horse kicking me in the chest. <laughs> you know, that's not what I'm after. It's, it's just a little something though. So um, mustard, mustard is definitely on that list as well. Yeah. I, I, when I can get it, I like mustard and then onions. Oh, like the little diced up onions. Yeah. Diced yeah. up onions. Good call. It's, I had never tried it cause I thought I wouldn't like it. And then I finally did maybe three years ago. And I was like, this is amazing. Why don't I yeah. do this every single time? And the other, the other way that I've tried. Okay. So in my house, we always grew up with relish. That was sweet relish. And I hate it, mm-hmm. but I didn't even know that non-sweet relish, just dill relish was a thing until I was like 23. <laughs> And then I I finally found some and got it. And I know you hate pickles. I love yeah. pickles. So I can get down with some dill relish. <laughs> That's disgusting. In the same vein of food, Log Avs asks, what is the best place to grab a bite in Denver? And the answer to that question is the Blake Street Tavern when we have our avalanche watch parties there. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime anybody ever asks me those types of questions, I refer to them to sponsors. Yeah, straight up. And 
everyone at the DNVR offices raves about their nachos too. Yeah. Literally tonight before the Rockies game, there's a, a handful of us that are going to be going to Blake street to get nachos and then walk over to Coors Field. It's it's seriously try it. I really do recommend it. Yeah. I'm, I go there uh, after abs games almost every night after an abs game, after I cover the game, I will leave and go and I will sit at the bar in the center of uh, Blake street, like 1130 at night. <laughs> and nice. I get their nachos and I, you know, I wind down with a, with a beer or if I'm exhausted, I'll have a Mountain Dew because I'm an adult. Uh, but <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever uh, the drink may be, but I'll, and then I'll watch the altitude replay of the game uh, at the bar. Yeah. Before I drive home. So, um, it's not it's not like we push people towards Blake Street just because they advertise with us, but because we all go there all the time. Yeah, every time we're downtown, it's like, hey, Blake Street yeah. is a thing. Yeah, exactly. It's I I wish Blake Street was where Brooklyn's was. Oh man, that would be the perfect spot oh, for me. Right? It, oh, it'd be so amazing. It would be packed all the time. Then though. Yeah, and that's that bothers me a little bit less just because there's so much space at Blake Street. That's true. You know, if they just boom dropped it there, you know, Brooklyn's is a little little compact, but it is pretty Blake tight. Street, Blake Street, you can almost always and they work have like your way separated out areas. Yeah, yeah, and you know when we have our watch parties, we're usually down in that. Uh, um, the basement thing, yeah, yeah. That there's an actual it's, it's an actual room. Um, see, my brain just isn't working. <laughs> no I names have, today. Yeah. yeah. I, um, it was like the other day. I couldn't remember one of the Brooklyn nine, nine characters. I could name the whole cast, but that one character. Uh, I couldn't name a single character Wait, Peralta. That's the main character, right? Yeah. That's the only yeah. one I got. Yeah. It's a great show. I need to, uh, I should binge watch some of that again. I used, it used to be my go-to show when I was just doing nothing. All right. Anything but the office and I'll accept it. Yeah. You know, I recently sat down and went through that again and I was like, no, nope, this is still an all time classic for me, but I, I think I need like a three year break because I've lived with roommates for the last couple of years where every single time I go upstairs, an episode of the office is playing and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, do you guys ever watch anything else? And then of course, all of our networks are named after office references. And it's just like, <laughs> well, the way it happens. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's get back into a little bit of hockey talk here. <laughs> Meeks asks, which part oh, of the, an Avs player's game is the most underrated? I.e. player X is way better at Y than anyone gives them credit for. So what do you think is, is one of the most underrated things about an Avs player? Oh, man. Good question. I got one that ties into another question. I've, I've kind of been on this horn for a little while. Okay. Take it away. Let me scroll the question here. Here we go. Uh, Peter asks, what can we expect from Shane Bowers, assuming he's in the lineup this season? And I have been absolutely blown away by his skating this preseason. I, he was not billed as a great skater, and he has just flown by people this year. I yeah. would not sleep on him at all. Yeah, I thought it was interesting in Anaheim when Greg Cronin said that. And when I asked about Bowers, and, and the first thing he said was, you don't have to know anything about hockey to walk into a rink and know that that's the best skater on the ice. Yeah. And I have never thought about Shane Bowers in that light. Right. I've been I've been watching Shane Bowers since... Uh, he was playing in the USHL and I've never thought about him that way. When he mentioned that, I thought maybe I'll pay closer attention to it. And dude, he's, he's not wrong. Yeah. He's been blowing people away to the outside all preseason. It's been really impressive. The power that he skates with. Yep. I, yeah, I've, I've really very impressed. I think it's been, uh, it's been a very pleasant surprise in this preseason. Uh, I would say, for my answer, I would say uh, I like Grubauer's puck handling 
Okay, that's interesting. Because because I think it's very basic. And like, you know, you know Varley was basic because he was bad at it. <laughs> right, he just avoided it whenever exactly. possible. Exactly. And I think Grubauer is a guy who looks to make an intelligent play with the puck. Uh, and it's not like, and it's not overwhelming ability, so it's more of an IQ thing. And yeah. I think he makes a lot of really good decisions with the puck. Um, the execution may not always be there, but I always think that his process with the puck is really, it's really sound. And I like that. That's an, an interesting one too, because Francis is a guy that plays the puck a ton. Yeah, as he the does. Backup. He loves to play the puck. Yeah. And then, well, and then, Eagles fans will see that Adam Warner is allergic to it. Yeah, he's no, he's he does big not and sits in his neck. He does not like to play it, and it shows. He's very Varley in that way that he's very uncomfortable with that aspect of it. But Frankie's out there all the time. Yeah, friend, uh, he. I'm interested to see. I guess he didn't really have any trouble with it in the AHL last year with the trapezoid, but in international tournaments and stuff, he would play it out in those corners all the time. Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm excited to see what we get with Frankie this year, full year with, uh, and, and a, and a team that's not accustomed to an aggressive puck handler. Pro tip. Don't shoot glove side on him. He will make the save. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's a guy that I think overplays his angles and I would, uh, I would try and sneak it in under like the blocker. Blocker and five hole is where he gets beat the most. Yeah. That's just watching a lot of him last year and this year. That's where I would try to, uh, try to, try to poke that hole. All right. I I like, I like the group pick. That is definitely not one people think about much as far as puck handling is concerned. Yeah. Again, like not sexy. I just think intelligent. Yeah, for sure. This next one comes from. Gary, and I only bring it up because I have a thing that I've been asking for for years. <laughs> if you could pick a song for the stadium, what would it be and when would you want it played? And for me, I want individual players' goal songs, like the Rockies have walk-up songs for their at-bats. Yeah, you know, uh, I've always thought that was a good idea, and then I talked to the players, and some of the players just have really horrible suggestions. <laughs> that bad yeah like some of them where you're like oh this guy scores a goal and like their suggestion is like this like super down and out country song yeah and you're like what no all right we don't have to let the players choose how about like the team makes a list of songs and the players can choose from which one they want to be their goal song. I think if you, if they were to do individual goal songs, the criteria would be that they have to say the player's name in the song. All right. So let's just get uh, Gregory <laughs> ends to make 23 songs and we'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah. I uh, uh, honestly, I, I don't think about this too much. Um, I do think that when, and, and DJ triple T at Pepsi center always does this, uh, the first season of the game, uh, he plays the boys are back. Yeah. And I always think it's perfect. I would also like for him to do that after road trips. That's true. Cause they're coming home. Exactly. And it's been like, Oh, they've been, they've been on the road for five games or like after the all-star break, Anytime they don't play at Pepsi Center for more than like five days, uh, the first song for warm-ups should always be uh, The Boys Are Back by Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. They're, it's always interesting to see the Avs' choices of warm-up music. It's been McKinnon playing that right. rap game for a long time, right. but, but it's starting to get a little bit more diverse in there. Yeah, I, uh, as, it, as it gets younger, I'm, I'm curious, like how the tastes will evolve. Yeah. I'm, I'm not hipping with it in the music scene for sure. <laughs> oh, geez. Right. I see, I see these people Snapchat and Instagram, all of the concerts that they go to. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never heard of any of these. Yeah. Bands. Who even are these? Bands? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Uh, dope dog. Have fun. I'm not, I've been to 
one of an actual famous band. I've been to one live show in my entire life. So Jesus, not a live music person. I, I think the thing that I think that, uh, uh, Apocalyptica is the band I've seen the most times, most number of times live. And that's like what a bunch, um, three or four. Okay. So not outrageous. Not a a ton. No. Um, and Berlin was right. Was right there. I saw Anne Berlin for sure three times. I think Apocalyptica passed them up. My biggest regret on show that I was supposed to see but did not was last year when they had the Game of Thrones symphony in town. And I could not make that because uh, of an Avs game that night. I guess that's true. I did take my wife to the Colorado symphony at least once, maybe twice. I wasn't counting that. Those uh, I've always wanted to go to the Zelda Symphony. Yeah, uh, I I've wanted that to go to that one so too. Cool. It, it looks so but dope. It's only been in Denver one time, and they've made like five tours. And I'm like, yep. I don't even want to go anymore. No, I, I I love those types of things, dude. I think those symphonies and stuff like I'm I'm very into that kind of music. So I would love to go see more of that stuff. I just as long as they're not like the the Colorado Ballet with the way that they hound you first for tickets. Yeah, yeah, that stuff can get rough when it's like three emails a day. Yeah, well, and I've tried to unsubscribe for them for I think it's been eight years now, and I still just get them. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well. <laughs> anyway. I, I mean, we can get an end segment too here, as as we do have some more hockey related questions to get to <laughs> in segment three. But you guys have to head to Infinity Park the weekend of October fifth and sixth to check out the International Women's Rugby Sevens event and eat delicious international food while we're listening to incredible bands. So there you go. We talked about food. We talked about music. You can get both of that at Infinity Park that weekend. They just need video games now. Right. Uh, set up a. I guess there's not. EA doesn't make a, a rugby game, do they? You know, I think. Uh, I think it was like they did once upon a time. They also made like a lacrosse game, and it was like, ooh, rough life. This is bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, if not video games, you do have at least live rugby, and Infinity Park is the only U.S. stop for this rugby series, and you have teams from around the world participating, including the USA here at home, Japan, England, Russia, France, Australia. There's a ton of other teams as well, and this series is crucial for the athletes as they prepare for the 2020 Olympics. Guys, Rugby Sevens is a physically demanding game of speed, endurance, and intensity with some of the world's most talented athletes. If you're a sports fan of any kind, you'll be blown away and highly entertained watching these women compete. And what's even better is you'll be able to enjoy this with the entire family for a great price. Adult passes are just $20 and you'll receive another $5 off when you use code BSN5. Kids 12 and under are $10 and 3 and under are free for the entire weekend. Visit Infinity Park at Glendale.com for all your information and grab tickets. That's Infinity Park at Glendale.com. In need of a top dog electrician? For over 35 years, Piper Electric has been the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contract companies in the Denver community. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR back-to-school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. Third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ answering some of your questions today. want to start off with one player that there's been a little bit of buzz about in Montreal. Jonathan Druin, he's been in talks about someone that could be a fit with the abs for a long time, given his being teammates with McKinnon and juniors. I was kind of curious what that fit looks like for the team. And the other day I actually called drew essentially a supersized version of Burakovsky. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think you could definitely say drew would be an upgrade. Yeah. In your over, over a guy. I, mm, there's certainty there. 
is what I'll say is that you know that that guy can give you even conservatively, we'll say that guy can give you 40 points. Right. And that's, you know, he's on a second line. He'd be next to Kadri. He'd be, he'd be on the second power play unit. So he wouldn't get to feast on free points as much. Uh, the whole McKinnon thing would not matter because he wouldn't play on the line with him. Right. Um, I, I just think that there's a reason two organizations have been quick to move on from him and that's true i would worry a lot about the attitude and the accountability maybe given colorado's locker room overhaul and their kind of culture overhaul that they've had the last two years that it's no longer a super fragile group that he'd be coming into where his toxicity could tear them down and maybe the lack of toxicity would help build him up in a way that he hasn't been. You know, Claude Julien's a great coach, but he's also an old school coach. And I wonder, uh, Bedner, one of the areas that he excels in uh, as a head coach is in his communication with his players, uh, developing those lines of trust. And I, I do wonder, maybe Bedner would be the, the best fit for a coach uh, personality-wise in bringing that out of him. You know, giving him a little bit of a leash and building up that trust early on and getting to a certain point where Drew has not been able to get with other coaches in the last two organizations, in his two organizations. Yeah, made a little bit more mutual trust maybe. And if you're putting him in a, a second-line winger role like that, you're maybe not putting quite as much pressure on him because when Druin was first brought into Montreal there, they wanted him to be their one seat. Yeah, which was stupid. It was. But it's it's definitely a, a lot more scrutiny in that way that he wouldn't have elsewhere, including Colorado. Yeah. Um I I, <laughs> I dude, I I wouldn't take the chance personally. Um the one thing that I would say is that, like Kadri, there's intrigue in that contract. Because if... For sure, you could get value. You know, signed at 5.5 for another four years, he's cost-controlled. So if he does have a 50 or 60-point year for you, you don't ever have to worry about it. He is He costs what he costs. Right. You know, whereas with Burakovsky or Jost, they're in contract years. If those guys blow up this year and have 55 points, you're going to have to pay for it. Now, chances are you won't have to pay more than the 5.5 Duran is making because they will be major outliers and extreme one-offs for those guys. But you never know. Mm-hmm. You know, and with Duran, he's still only 24 years old and he, he can play on either wing. It would really be what would the cost be? And you're probably like realistically, you're probably talking about Zadorov there. Um, and that's val that's fine value for me. That doesn't bother me. But you're probably gonna have to give something else. Zadorov Zadorov is realistically um I think a good third pairing defenseman in the NHL. Um kind of a specialty guy, you know, that he brings very specific elements to his game. Uh, but I mean, we even saw in practice today that the, the, the mistakes sometimes are just brutal. You know, he was four seconds into a drill today and the, the puck just got off his stick and Donskoy took it from him and went down on a breakaway and scored. And McKinnon chirped him and said, thanks Z. To be fair, Donskoy has been eating demon for breakfast all preseason. <laughs> right. Like, Donskoy's a monster, apparently. But uh, with uh, with Z, though, you know, those turnovers, it's it's turnovers and penalties, and it's, it's kind of the same stuff we've been talking about since he got here from Buffalo. And it just has not developed a whole lot. The consistency is a lot better than where it used to be. The floor is a lot higher higher than it used to be but the ceiling still really isn't there. And 
uh, he's or I should say he's not really close to that. That's the ceiling where his his raw, natural, physical gifts should have put him. And you know, I think that that would be that reality may, makes it so that you'd probably have to add something on top for for Duran and. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Um, I, you know, Colorado's had interest in him previously, but that was mainly during the Patrick Waugh era because Waugh was totally obsessed with Duran. You know, tried to tried to trade everything he could to get him when he was uh, yeah. still running the Remparts. Yep. You kind of answered my next question, or at least part of it, as our friend Luke from up north in Winnipeg asked about Nieto and Z being on the, the final year of their deals and having potential yeah. replacements on the way. Talked about Z. Do you see anything there for, for Nieto? Is that something the abs could look to, to get value on? You know, I think if there'd been a stronger preseason out of Cam and Ever Greer, yeah. uh, along with Bowers, then they would probably feel more comfortable with it. Um, you know, Cout, another guy. Maybe midseason they revisit that. Uh, just because he has a pending UFA and you know, that's not a guy that you want to go into the mid twos to keep right on him on what would probably be a multi-year deal. You know, that's, and it, you know, Nieto has served his function really nicely in Colorado. Um, and he's going to be in the most appropriate role possible this season. I think, although today at practice, he was on the line with Comper and Jason Magna and I just wanted to claw my eyes out, but I think I think that you know Nieto's proven himself. He's a legit NHL player that belongs somewhere in the league. Yep. Uh, but that's you know he's kind of in the Matt Calvert situation when Calvert left Columbus. Yeah, I think that's a very good comparison. They could not afford to pay him what he was going to get on the open market, and you didn't really want to. You know, you 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 love the heart and soul. You love the effort. All of that is great, but. You know, when they brought in Calvert and then with the the, the forward depth that they have developed, uh, I, I think that by midseason, Nieto is, it would be a good trade block candidate. Uh, and if nobody wanted him at the deadline and you just ride it out and let him walk in for agency, that's fine. You know, that's realistically, this is kind of like the Blake Como thing again, where, you know, a team probably isn't giving you more than a fifth or a sixth round pick for him at the deadline and he's an important part of your team. If he still is an important part of the abs come deadline time, I doubt that, that, that there's a serious conversation about moving him. Eventually you are looking for one of your prospects to do the same thing for cheaper. And, and I think that's where it ultimately ends up being that he's probably gone in the off season. Yeah. But if you're in the middle of a, of a push for a team that is, finally starting to be in what looks like a window it's hard to mess with that yeah 100 i mean 100 percent. you know where you your your current season matters too and you can't sit there and try and pretend like the value of a fifth or a sixth round pick is so high that it's more important than what he might be able to give you in the postseason yeah even if that's just one goal one postseason goal um you know maybe that you could Depending on when it comes, it might be more valuable than a sixth round pick. Or four and two of them shorthanded if last year yeah, was any. Right, man. Like he was really good in that postseason. Yep. All right. Last question of the day. This one comes from Ebrif24. Who has the best tattoos on the team and who wins mm. the best bromance? You know, best tattoos in my time covering the abs was by far Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. Oh, man. That was some art. Uh, currently, it's definitely Nachushkin. I haven't seen his. Oh, man. Does he have some good artwork? And he's got it. He's got it. Uh, one of those hockey players love this tattoo, I've noticed, uh, where it, it, it starts on the back and it kind of stretches across the top. Over the uh, shoulder, you know, on, yeah. Over the shoulder and down into like the middle of the chest, but uh, Nachushkin's also wraps around on his ribs on his left side. So, as a fan of tattoos, I you know I have a couple. I will be getting several, several more as my life goes on. Uh, 
I I've always I always do try and figure out you know who's got who's got good ink and uh, who does not and you know does anybody have any bad ink? Uh, AJ Greer filled out his sleeve last I believe it was last year maybe the year before on his left arm he filled out a full sleeve, um, and it's it's great artwork it's amazing artwork, um, but it's just the sleeve. Uh, I think Nachushkin's is it's. It's very, very Nichushkin. It's very like stoic Russian type of ink, you know, where you could just you can just picture him sitting there in the chair getting it done, having like a six hour session where he just doesn't move. He doesn't talk, he doesn't blink, he doesn't do anything, he just stares at the ceiling. <laughs> and just eats the tattoo paint. <laughs> exactly. And just yeah, that 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 is a dude that I think probably uh wakes up in the morning and just to make sure that he's still tough you know just randomly decides that he's going to chew on some glass that day <laughs> well i can take the over the shoulder tattoos a lot more than the this trend with ufc fighters getting weapons on their chest that's stupid it's really weird <laughs> yeah that's dumb lesnar has the like brass knuckle sword thing on his chest I forget there's some other guy. He's a Russian. I can't remember his name, but he has like basically Thor's hammer on his chest. Oh, geez. Not my favorite tattoos. We'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah. I, I think that's so lame. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I would want to see it. I would want to see it because, um, a lot of times, even if I don't like a tattoo, I appreciate the artwork if it's really good. Well, and of course there's usually a story behind those things as well. Yeah, there's typically. Um, I would say that's probably the big weakness in Nichushkin's is that I doubt there's any rhyme or reason to that. Yeah. He was probably just like, just keep drawing until until I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Because it's not, it's not like, you know, a lot of guys, um, Andrew Bodner Chuck a few years ago had scripture on his ribs. Yeah. And that to me, I was like, that's a God. Like, no pun intended, but you seriously... You better be living whatever is on there. Right. Because that's that's so painful. Um, but no, Bernier's was very thorough, and there was a lot of it, and it was awesome. And uh, Nichushkin probably leads the, the current team with Greer as, as what I would say is the second. Uh, not a lot of ink on this team, though. Yeah, a bunch of, bunch of empty skin that is yet to be drawn on. Yeah. Best bromance? Whoa. You can't say McKinnon Barry anymore, so um gosh. Um I mean Jostin and Comfer yeah. are fine. They were really uh they were really filled out with Kerfoot though. How about this new uh, turn and burn bromance they got going a little bit? Uh, you know, more of an on ice thing. Fair. Um, in the in, you know, d- despite their their countries uh, of origin, uh, Miko and Landy, yeah, have always <laughs> it's they Landy used to go and just sit in Miko's locker and make him make, make uh, Miko take his skates off for him. <laughs> and that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, and they, they've always kind of had a really playful relationship back and forth. Um, McKinnon against his mood swings, I think is another really interesting program <laughs> because uh, you know, today he hooked a stick up into the netting again. And when he's frustrated like that, he can be, and I was going to go talk to him after practice, just to, just to chat with him. But he was having one of those days and he sat down and he was like, he just looked so upset. And then a few minutes later, you know, cracking jokes and laughing and having a good old time. And it was just like, oh man, <laughs> He's just such an intense guy. Like he, you know, and it, I should say he projects as a really intense, uh, as a, as an intense guy where the feelings outwardly look like the swings happen, 
Um, and when they're, when they're fun, it's, you know, he's, he's, I've, I've always gotten along really well with, with McKinnon when he's in a, he's in a good mood and he's in a jovial mood and he'll just chat with you. And, you know, we were talking about life when I talked to him earlier this preseason, <laughs> we were just, you know, just BSing about life yep. and how unexpected things happen and mortality and, and the importance of a, of a legacy and, and making every day count and stuff like that. So uh, McKinnon's mood swings is definitely an, an underrated bromance where he, uh, he can, he can be a really, really fun guy to chat with. And then he can be the guy where I tried to give him a hard time about not getting to a hundred points. And he did not take that well. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think I'll stick with our star cross brothers of, of Miko and Landy there. I'm curious to see, uh, the new guys slow integration. Yeah. So far. That's true. Kadri and Donskoy and Belmar on the forward side. Yeah. Uh, Burkowski too. Yeah. Slow integration so far outside of Belmar. Belmar loves everybody. Dude. Belmar's such a nice guy. Yeah. He, dropped in on one of my interviews with Callie Rosen and was just making faces at him the whole time to the point where Rosen could not keep a, he was trying to keep a straight face. And I was like, <laughs> I was looking at Belmar and Belmar was making faces at Rosen. And then he was like looking at me and then uh, Rosen couldn't keep a straight face. And then Belmar looked at me and then he winked and then he walked away. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves Belmar. He's the only one that I would say of the new guys that has like, he's just that really outgoing personality where everybody just likes him. So it's very easy to see why when, uh, when he signed here, everybody in Vegas was like, no. And, and they, when Ryan Carpenter signed in Chicago, they were like, Oh, that sucks. (laughs) Darn. Because I noticed the difference where I was like, whoa. The Belmar love was real. Yeah. yeah like, there's got to be something to this, right? Uh, and then, you know, of course, you meet the guy and you're like, all right, this makes all the sense in the world. All right. Yeah, that's a good place to end on, on the positive Belmar note in the locker room. Hope we answered a, a number of your guys' questions today. And honestly, well, we want to make this a more regular thing. If you guys have questions after podcasts, please put them down in the comments and, and we'll do our best to get to them and, and answer them the next time through. It's something we really enjoy doing and, and just kind of keeping up with the community and, and being a part of it with everyone. So on that note, that's the end of this one and the end of the week. So happy Friday. Thank you for listening. And you will hear from us again on Monday at the latest. We're excited to tell you about some game changing coffee. Strava craft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. So check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava craft says, drink deeply, live fully. You can check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code DNBR 2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door.